today on City Cash Chicago. Our city is sadly accustomed to having our politics and government being associated with, well, corruption. But as reporter Kelly Bauer once told me, being used to that corruption doesn't mean we got to accept it. One person who tried for 12 years to not just accept it, but fight it, is former Inspector General Joe Ferguson. Ferguson left the position in October, and when he talked to us shortly after, my mans didn't hold anything back on how Chicago needs to be better moving forward. It's Thursday, December 30th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. Frankly, when I was leaving the U.S. Attorney's Office, the first assistant at the time, Gary Shapiro, whistled me in. He's sort of like this, you know, this great kind of Obi-Wan figure uh, in his time in the office. And he said, look, uh, it's way worse than you can possibly imagine in your wildest dreams. And I'm, I'm, I'm a 40-some-year-old man. And I'm thinking, come on, come on, come on. I'm, you know, I, and I've seen a lot of things. Um, and um, he was right. A question a lot of people have is, is corruption in Chicago the status quo? Is it endemic to Chicago government? There's a curious thing about Chicago that distinguishes its corruption from the corru- the same corruption that exists everywhere else. Because the fact of the matter is, is where money and power come together, there's going to be corruption. And I'll tell you, every single one of us has a price. And I'm thankful no one's ever found my price, right? That might be some of the most gangster shit I ever heard in my life. <laughs> like... That w- yeah, you might not have been able to say that like three weeks ago, but I, yeah, yeah, well, it's it's, a, it, 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 it's yours. <laughs> it's yours. Run with it because I think it's a matter of conditioning that we all need to carry because we blame yeah. people for doing bad stuff. I got to tell you, before I did this job, um, uh, a huge amount of my work actually was following money around the world that was tied to believed terrorist organizations. So I sat across the table from people who actually were masterminds of bus bombings. And those people were straight up. You knew who they were. They told you who they were. Um, Here in this town, you don't know what you're dealing with when you're talking to somebody. Hardly ever, right? So the corruption is going to exist no matter what. The thing that's unique about Chicago is I kind of feel like we're in love with our narrative of corruption history. You know, we're in love with our gangster. We're in love with our gangster past and our gangster present. Except right now the romance is something that nobody's nobody's down for because people are dying and our government is not serving us all. But still that narrative persists. What's amazing about Chicago and Illinois is not what happens that's illegal. It's what happens that is perfectly legal. And so people look at things and say, that ain't right. Except here, the response is, yeah, it may not be right, but it's legal. It was legal to put lead pipes in everybody's house, in every park. It was legal to do that just for us to find out, oh my God, those dudes know each other. This seems to be corrupt. Yeah. And now we still ain't fixed the problem. Yep. Ethics is something higher than that illegal bar. We're missing something in our structure. 
This is the only major city in the United States that does not have a charter. A charter is a constitution, a higher form of law that sets the roles and the powers of the components of government. The parking meter deal in a city with a municipal charter that said things with fiscal or financial implications over a certain threshold have to go to a referendum. Here, that parking meter deal was given to the city council and voted on 48 hours later. So the absence of a charter is partly to play, partly at play for why it is that power is held so singly in the hands of a, a single individual, the mayor. Our city council is dysfunctional and it is meaningless um, most of the time. And this partly demonstrative of how we're broken. Can you give me a sense that has scope? Like how many things, like, you know, how many investigations are taking place? How many reports are coming out? At any point in time, there's about 150 to 200 investigations that are open. And some of them are really big and obviously have criminal implications. We have three aldermen under indictment in part right now because of IG investigations. The, the public safety section, which was forged um, as a recommendation of both the Police Accountability Task Force, on which I sat, and the Justice Department's Pattern and Practice Review, at any point in time, they have about 15 evaluations going on, as well as an inspections unit that is looking at all of the closed disciplinary investigations. As something a little bit of a lens into an eye-opener for me is one of the early ones was kind of a ticky-tack violation, personnel rule violation, um, by somebody who worked for um, Streets and Sand, um, who was an Italian guy and a really old-school Italian guy. We had this elaborate hearing because I, a person who comes from a Sicilian family um, in Boston, um, was accused of being um, discriminatory towards Italians because he was Italian. And I'm like, damn. Damn, is this how this is going to go? And sometimes that is how it goes. We'll be right back. You're not just looking at the mayor and the head of the police and, you know, people who raid, wrongfully raid social workers' homes like Anjanette Young. You're looking at people who work in streets and sand and people who work down at O'Hare. Do you remember what were some of the harder investigations you led in terms of getting information, but also seeing up close, like real corruption and, and bad governance taking place every day? So first off, when I came to the office, um, the, the Office of Inspector General did nothing with respect to the police department. Nothing. Police organizations um, are fortresses. They're not used to or conditioned for outside eyes with outside oversight. We had to figure out our way into that because it's 40% of the city budget. It's 40% of city personnel. It's the most important work that is performed by a municipality is public safety, right? And that is where the biggest obstacles were because we did not have the support of the mayors for that, where we had big arguments in our office. Do we just try to storm the fortress walls and go straight to the heart of operations? The decision that, that I made was, no, we're going to do this quietly and incrementally in discreet ways and look at things that just weren't all that worrisome for them, didn't get to the heart of darkness, if you will, and building a record over time into bigger and bigger things that at the point that we hit the inflection point of creating the public safety section of the office, which is 20 people strong at this point in time, we could start to look at actually big operational stuff. What we decided to do was to identify 
particular areas where the police disciplinary investigative system had failed. The system had failed. And two that I note most particularly, the case involving um, the death of a 21-year-old kid, David Koshman, uh, outside of a bar on Division Street when he and his friends celebrating a birthday encounter another group of individuals. Words were spoken, a punch was thrown, his head hit a curb, fractured his skull, was dead nine years later. The person who threw the punch was the nephew of Mayor Daly. And the way that that was handled within the department itself was protective of who the person was that threw the punch. From that investigation, uh, the mayor's nephew actually was prosecuted. And then numerous people in the department either had to retire or were fired for their role in the handling of, of, of that investigation. The second was Laquan McDonald. McDonald was the 17-year-old teen who was fatally shot 16 times in 2014 by former police officer Jason Van Dyke. CPD and the mayor's office knew about the shooting but the public didn't see the video until 2015 after organizers and journalists fought for it to be released. So at the point in time that, that the Laquan video was released, there was an immediate call for an investigation, not of the incident itself, an investigation into the department's handling of the aftermath of that shooting. That investigation resulted in, in, in findings against 16 officers, recommendations of termination of 11 of those officers that in scope and scale um, uh, actually took on the dimensions of the biggest scandals in the Chicago Police Department's history. So your officer's report on the CPD cover-up for McDonald's murder didn't come out until 2016, two years after he was killed. Joe, why were your findings kept out of view for so long? The law is written in Chicago that if it is a disciplinary investigation that the IG's office has conducted, that the report, our actual report, doesn't go out. And our position has always been, while the law says we can't make the report public, the law does not say anyone else has to. The mayor doesn't have to. The department heads who, in, who bring, um, who, who make the final decisions on our recommendations, the law doesn't say they have to. When we're talking about Anjanette Young, we're talking about a woman who was violated in the sense of a wrong raid in her apartment um, where police came upon her unclothed. She can't get the videos of what happened to her. Another situation in which the raid happens and it takes a year and a half for this to become made available to the public. That, that's exactly right. I've always viewed that particular matter, once it became sort of fully known, is that is that is going straight to the scar tissue that has not healed over from Laquan because it has a lot of the same uh, institutional sort of appearances around it. And so we can't make the report public, but with respect to Anjanette Young, we delivered a 163-page report to the mayor's office, to the superintendent. You know, the mayor has already said she's not going to make that report public. We're, we're maybe not in the place that we need to be with respect to transparency as to fully concluded IG reports. As you're leaving, you were asked in a recent interview, uh, can black and brown people trust the police? And you gave a really long answer, but I'm going to be real with you, Mr. Ferguson. Uh, it ultimately sounded like you said they haven't earned our trust. That, yeah. And, and after 12 years, do you feel that way? At the individual officer level, there's lots of officers you can and should trust. But you know what? Um, they're police officers working for a police department who, which has not, as a matter of history, 
earned or merited the trust. And so we're in a really odd situation. You can't assume on the face of things based on our history and based on the state of reform right now, that if you are black and brown skin, that, that you are necessarily going to be treated with respect in a safe and constitutional encounter with the police. That really sucks if you are a diligent police officer, and it really sucks if you're a member of the community who needs the police. We don't have trust and legitimacy right now, and so we have to build a record that merits someday trust and legitimacy. That's how I feel about it. Throughout your time, you were able to expand your oversight to the police, to city council, but ultimately the office makes recommendations. And as you know, somebody who's read quite a few of them, it really sucks to read something that is makes sense, that seems that if implemented will lead to more effective governance, and yet they're not implemented. Does, does the next inspector general need more authority? Does the office need more teeth? No. The, the ordinance as it was enacted was taken straight from the Federal Inspector, Inspector General Act. And Chicago is known nationally for having one of the best municipal oversight um, agencies in the country. Is that not ironic to you, to have the most effective oversight in a stereotype as most corrupt? That's, that has to be jarring. It is jarring. And sometimes you look and you go, man... Am I just a useful idiot here? It's frustrating. It's demoralizing at times. But what I tell my, have told my folks for over the years, and they're not my folks anymore, look, the game that we play, if you're in it for instant gratification, you better find something else to do. If we move the ball an inch and we gradually make our way towards the end zone, but as soon as we get close to the goal line, I promise you the goal line is going to be moved. <laughs> and so do not assume you're ever going to see the end zone. So you just got to believe over time that building that record is going to make it possible. But damn, it just goes on. Former Inspector General of Chicago, Joe Ferguson, thank you so much for joining us on CityCast Chicago. Thank you for the opportunity. Be well. Did you ever worry about about your safety doing this job? Yes. <laughs> Look, <laughs> um, yeah. Um, you work with the assumption that there may be a streets and sand uh, garbage truck with your number on it. <laughs> um, you know, sometimes in the dark of night, I've got a mayor who's raging mad at me. She's like, well, damn, where does that go? <laughs> <laughs> Before I let you go, I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to the podcast today and every day. And if you have, for sharing us with your friends and family. 2021 has been an exciting, sometimes fun, mostly challenging and overwhelming, but also a very rewarding year because I've been given the opportunity to talk with y'all every single day. And I'm going to be real, I probably learned more about the city of Chicago in the last 10 months than I did the last 10 years combined. And that's probably on me, but I'm so grateful to all of the people who've stopped by to share their stories, all of the local journalists who've shared their intellect and their insight, all of the elders who've shared their wisdom. 
I can't believe that we are almost at 200 episodes of City Cash Chicago, but I can promise you we got hella more episodes in front of us. And I hope you'll join us in 2022. We're back with fresh episodes on Monday, January 3rd. We'll talk to you then. Happy New Year. Peace. Corruption. Chicago politics. I said, nah, I mess with hot dogs.